Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Black of the Black Times Infinity. Infinity. Cronus is here, along with your boy Blue. Everybody else is out. Uh, we have a couple of special guests on for this podcast. We have Will, Marcus, and Corey from uh, Primus 7, which is owned by, I think it's Noir Caesar, right? That yes, correct. that's absolutely correct. correct. Awesome. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. What's up, fellas? Not much. Um, I'm Corey McKell. I'm the production manager over at New R. Caesar. I'm also the creator, writer of Space Pop, writer of Primer 7, writer of world-famous Playboy. Playboy? <laughs> New I guess I follow Corey. I'm Marcus Johnson. I work in concept development at New I'm co-creator of Primus, creator of our title called Arms of the Dragon. I also co-write uh, Primus, and I co-write Wheels Project called Try Again. Awesome. What's what's up, guys? This is uh, Will Ill Brown. Everybody calls me Ill. Um, I guess it's an affectionate thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I am the music director for Noir Caesar Entertainment, and I provide all of the dope backdrops that you hear on the Primus trailer and all of the content going forward. And I'm also the creator and co-writer of Try Again which is a manga comic I'm working on along with Marcus and one of our writer buddies, John Lawrence. Shout out to John. What's up, bro? Awesome. awesome. Who also helps me co-write Arms of the Dragon. I got to add that in, too. Got to give my boy John some love. No <laughs> got to get the credits. <laughs> All right. So we, we first heard about Primus 7 uh, when we were at the Crunchyroll Expo. And I think everybody at the Expo had a similar experience. We were walking the floor and all of a sudden, we heard some dope-ass beats. Dope-ass beats. And then we turned around, and then we saw this awesome anime. And I think everybody was pretty much amazed. It was like people were stopping and gathering around um, your booth. And then on the other side, we didn't, I didn't know at first, but on one side, you had the anime, and the other side, you had the manga. And, uh, and that was pretty dope. So let me ask you first, how did you guys come together to make Primus 7? Like, I, I, you guys, to me, came out of nowhere. I can start it off, man, uh, if you don't mind, Corey. I guess the um, the glue to Primus was Johnny O'Brien, who was the founder of the company. Um, he and one of his friends, uh, Vaughn Alexander, started the process of beginning Primus. And then over time, they reached out to Will, uh, reached out to myself. Um, I was Johnny's high school teacher. We, we always have to tell this story. I was his high school teacher. Uh, when he was like in the ninth grade, and he caught me reading uh, One Piece scans, oh, nice. and our friendship and our friendship started there. So he, when he started the process, he came to me asking for feedback. So then I came on board, and then once we decided to go the manga route, we needed someone to oversee everything, and we found Corey, man, and uh, Corey has been a blessing for us, man, because he holds everything together. And then Corey eventually also came on board with helping to um, to kind of relaunch Primus. We started out, I mean, it's gone through so many different iterations. And right now, Corey has added his flavor to it. And and it's turned out to be something we're very proud of. Awesome, awesome. It's good to hear. Now, we kind of jumped into the questions, but can you kind of give like a little introduction of what Primus 7 is? For those that do not know. Corey, your cue. Uh, oh, Corey. Corey, you want to take out? <laughs> the story of Silva and Seven, who have been orphaned by a war that took place between the World Corporation and the Ajima clan. And 
they're in training and also in hiding from this dictator named Arthur Grove who wants to steal their abilities and make sure that the Ajima clan never rise to actually liberate the people from his control. Awesome, awesome. Um, Prime Seven definitely looks like uh, kind of like a cross between like you know Boondocks and Afro Samurai, but it's on like steroids. Like the the visualizations are they're, they're excellent. Can you explain uh, what animation and musical influence the series has? Um, yeah, I could take that one. Uh, I, I definitely think uh, as far as the animation um, inspiration goes, uh, you know, definitely the aesthetic was a little bit of Boondocks. Also, a little bit of uh, Samurai Champloo, actually, I think, uh, was was a major influence. And a yes. little bit of Naruto, as far as uh, the character stylings go, except uh, with an urban twist, of course. Okay. And uh, as far as the, the music, uh, you know, uh, with Samurai Champloo and uh, Afro Samurai, you, you got a lot of, like, maybe soulful, uh, maybe uh, kind of a classic feel of hip-hop mm-hmm. with uh, Primus. Uh, we're gonna push the envelope a little bit with the uh, with the uh, sonic appeal as far as uh, incorporating some trap beats, some uh, some hardcore boom bap stuff, some uh, some really soulful stuff like you'd hear uh, artists like Currency and uh, artists like that do. So uh, the the soundtrack is gonna be extremely uh, well rounded and uh, especially with the score. Like the there there'll be fight scenes where you you hear like rambunctious trap beats and stuff like that. That'll add a totally different dynamic to uh, to what, what your average fight scene in anime is going to look like, or action sequence, or even just a transition. So uh, it's definitely a, a, a new thing that we're we're experimenting with with uh, Primus. Awesome! You brought up uh, Samurai Champloo. Did you check out Shinjiro Watanabe's uh, take on what was it? He's coming with a new uh, short. Blade Runner. Oh, Blade yeah, Runner. Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all we, we just actually had a company argument. What do y'all think? I haven't watched it yet. I plan to. Uh, but if he has his hands on it, I know it's going to be dope, man. That guy, Fire. everything he touches is dope. So I expect nothing less from him. I checked it out. Yeah, I, I loved it. So. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. I like. I, I was able to uh, watch it, and I said, holy cow. Like For it to be uh, is, um it was it was just right to the point, man. And if you're a Blade Runner fan, it's like it's like super refreshing seeing where they're going with that uh, franchise going forward. But uh, the animation, the the you know the for it to be so short, the story was just you know it was it was, it was perfectly translated, man. I I really dug it. Yeah, I want I want to see more, but I don't think he's gonna do more. Yeah, Shinjiro does like yeah. shorts, like even his animes are like, yeah. like twenty four episodes, and that's it. <laughs> so yep, that's all you get. He's yep. like, nope, that's all. That's about it. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting that they're doing that because I think for like the Matrix, they had like the Animatrix, which is yeah. kind of a prequel to the Matrix. But then also for Batman, right. there was like the Gotham Knights, which was a pretty cool series, and that was all like Japanese animation style too, which is really cool. Um, but so get back to the question. So um. Can you break down the relationship between the two main characters, Seven and uh, Selva, and how their relationship will develop as the series progresses? It's probably a- uh, I, sure. I guess me and Corey can both uh, yeah, we can ask chi- that chime in on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. at, the, at the heart of it, man, it's pretty much you have these two kids who who basically lost everything and they've witnessed it with their own eyes. So... Not only are they growing up, they also have to learn how to process these feelings. And their personalities are so different that you get 
kind of these mini clashes, not necessarily them falling out, but they're both learning how to process uh, based upon how they perceive the world and how they perceive their father, really. They both, they both another, have... A thing piggybacking off of what Mark is saying, um, the thing that I wanted to kind of concentrate on is the stages of grief and how someone who's 12 and 13 with these people who need you to be something that you're not ready to be yet and how that influences your decision making and how you're dealing and coping with grief all the while people are telling you that this is the path you have to go down but you've witnessed with your own eyes what it has done to your entire family so do you follow the path to help the people or do you live your own life and that's the question that i'm presenting to the audience in the eyes of Sylvan Seven. It's kind of, it's very- And not to give away too much of the plot, but also just to finish up their point, as the story progresses and they go through these different worlds, we want these different worlds to represent the different challenges they face, not just uh, not just physical challenges, but those internal conflicts as well. So as they progress through these worlds, you get to grow with them and actually uh, see them grow. Awesome. Yeah, I see uh, that relationship sounds a little like Naruto and Sasuke-esque, you know, how they go through their own, the way they deal with their grief, two different ways, you know? Kind of, but... Uh, Obviously different. Also, yeah. you have a little element, uh, uh, slightly, but not much, but uh, kind of like Inuyasha and Sasomaru also, to okay. a degree. Yeah, yeah. Not to the point of hating each other, but you have those little mini clashes where, well, they will butt heads. It was really interesting because in the trailer um, you have on your Kickstarter, you showed them kind of fighting against each other. And I just thought that was cool because it starts off with them as kids fighting each other. And then eventually they, they're an adults and they're kind of like kind of sparring at that point, which was, it looked amazing, growing, the animation. Growing pains, man. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. want to illustrate those growing pains. Yeah, we all have brothers Absolutely. and sisters and we all bump, bump heads, but we're still like family when it comes down to the end of things. Exactly. Absolutely. So you're uh, recently, I guess your, your Kickstarter campaign wrapped and it wasn't fully funded. Are, are you currently still seeking ways to fund the project or to, and push forward? No doubt. Awesome. Awesome. That's good to hear. Um, we definitely look forward to doing that and see if there's any other way we can help this, this project really get off the floor. Because I'm, I'm glad because I was kind of worried, you know, when I first saw it and like three days ago it ended. I was like, man, I, I really wanted to see this being made. But as long as it's still the, the fires are still there. Um, yeah, looking yeah. forward to it. We can't really talk. We can't really talk about exactly. much, but but um, <laughs> I can, I can say that we have some things going on, and yeah, and when it drops, when it drops, just be ready. It's going to be history making. What what we're working on. So yeah, Good. definitely. Good. I'm, I'm actually absolutely. I'm really glad that we we have you know. There's more and more of these diverse you know companies coming up that are making new characters. It's one of my pet peeves is seeing like these new you know, these bigger companies that have these knockoff characters that happen to be just like a different ethnicity. And it's like, you lazy fucks, can you just make a new character? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I saw, I'm, I'm so glad that we're seeing stuff like this. I appreciate it, man. It's, um, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you're either going to uh, stay the course or push the envelope. And um, over here, we're, we're trying to push the envelope in Noir with uh, all new characters, our new character archetypes. So, you know, we can really kick down some doors where, you know, we have, uh, you know, Japanese animators and artists uh, and, and just artists worldwide just, you know, saying, hey, we want a character that looks like somebody from uh, Space Pop or, uh, or Promise 7 or 
any any of our titles uh, or you know Arms of the Dragon, where they they're modeling characters after after a foundation that we built. So this is um, definitely um, you know it's humbling to be uh, kind of a pioneer in that sense. Mm-hmm. All right. So Will, uh, we have mentioned how you know the music was a thing that kind of caught our ears to make us walk over to the booth. Like, what are some of your influences on creating the music for this for this anime? Absolutely. Uh, well, um, I think some of my influences are just, uh, I, I've been watching anime for so long. Uh, Marcus and I are the same age, so we, we go all the way back to where, you know, Ninja Scrolls was a thing, mm. Kira, Go-Go 13, yeah. stuff like that. And I will always uh, be like, man, I wonder what it would be like to, you know, be listening to um, just a different type of music while, you know, while scene was transitioning or during an action scene. And what what type of uh, you know, how how would it appeal to people sonically to, you know, to hear some like some straight up hip hop backdrops in, in a lot of this anime content. So, I would actually uh make a lot of AVIs just on my own free time. Like I'd find a fight clip from Naruto or something and drop some beats in there and circulate it around the internet and everybody would be going crazy. And then uh, it really came to fruition when um, Adult Swim reached out to me to commission some music for a lot of uh oh, that's dope. shorts in in between what they would do like if you I don't know if you're watching uh <clears throat> excuse me boondocks or something uh yeah. comes on and you know how they have those little 15 second things in between yeah, before the commercial break yeah. ends and yeah I did a lot of beats for them so it, it kind of just was a segue for me to say okay how can I take this a step further to the point where I'm actually implementing you know these types of tracks into an actual score and uh then you know noir came along and it was like up oh, here's the vehicle let's let's hop on board and let's go nice nice do you have any influences outside of uh anime manga and american animation uh it's an open question yeah yeah open question yeah i think so <laughs> could you repeat that for me again though yeah yeah do you have uh any influence outside any influences outside of uh, anime, manga, and American animation, like film or anything like that? Comics. Um, for me, oh. as a kid, man, uh, I started out with comics. My yes, mom never, my mom never would buy them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when she was grocery shopping, I just sit in the aisle or whatever and read comics. I, and I got to days. the point where I would swap comics back and forth with my uh, with my friends or whatnot. So for me, the first titles I fell in love with were like all the X-Men titles and, and the spinoffs like X-Factor, X-Force, yeah. uh, New, New Warriors, probably my favorite. I was just in love with like the Night Thrasher character and Silhouette and, and Nova and Speedball, I guess because it was just a younger generation of heroes and I kind of kind of related to it. And then as I got into high school, uh, really uh literature also i had a ninth grade english teacher who was like she played no games like at the <laughs> beginning of the, at the beginning of every class like the little american classics the little small like mm-hmm. uh illustrated ones yeah i remember those. she would make she would make us read those so i started reading stuff like oliver twist and then moby dick and Tell the two cities and beowulf and like all of that mixed with mythology and stuff it kind of like opened me up to like a fantasy world and that kind of sparked everything for me yeah piggyback off what marcus was saying i mean it's kind of the same story with me but i mean uh his influences were marvel mine were mostly dc and it's still dc to this day um as of right now i collect a lot of 
create our own series from Image, Boom, uh, IDW, Dark Horse, and things like that. Um, and as far as like American cinema, I'm, with the title that I'm currently working on that releases tomorrow, Playboy, uh, it's kind of like Quint Tarantino style on steroids, if that's possible. <laughs> but um, that's uh, some of my influences when it comes to writing and, you know, directing the course of some of the titles. It's crazy because you can't tell from the stuff that I write, but I've always loved uh, the dystopian themes, steampunk, uh, anything that's retro-futuristic, afro-futuristic, all those different type of themes I love. Did y'all check out uh, Children of Ether? I haven't. Okay. Yeah, it's I've been a, so busy writing, man, that I haven't had a lot of time to check out anything. Okay, I think it's like it's not even a full episode. I think it's maybe thirteen minutes on Crunchyroll, but it's got yeah, a, it's about thirteen. It, yeah, yeah, it's 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 it was an interesting start. I mean, I want to see more, but it's it might be right up your alley because it's dystopian future. So it's it, it seemed pretty cool in the beginning, but I'm not sure where they're gonna go with it. I'm not sure when episode two is dropping. So yeah, actually, that that brings me along to I guess a, another. Uh, sort of like a question. Um, so now that Crunchyroll has, you know, a project like uh, Children of Ether was made by, uh, I think it was LaShawn Thomas, right? This guy who made that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Does that, does that give you guys hope to potentially get on their platform one day? I mean, obviously you were at their expo, but. Uh, like we said, we can't talk about certain things right now, but um, yeah, I mean, we're excited to put our foot into the anime industry and get our name out there and show people what proper representation actually looks like Yeah, and provide them with a great story, with a great soundtrack, with uh, story elements that you have never seen before in anime or, or manga form. And I think the main thing is, regardless of the vehicle that we choose or end up with, it has to be something that aligns with our vision and what we're trying to do. We don't want to sign anything or come a part of any vehicle that, that takes away our creativity or tries mm-hmm. to make us conform to uh, the yeah. norm because that's why we started this so we can tell the type of stories we want to tell yeah. that were that were all inclusive we're not I don't want this to be taken the wrong way we're not just a black manga anime company we make content for everyone yeah so exactly. when you, so when you read our content it's all inclusive so we want to make sure we stick to their vision and that we just mm-hmm. keep telling dope stories and, and creating dope art yeah i mean so for for us as well i mean at the end of the day a, a good story is a good story it doesn't really matter who happens to be exactly in it, you know what i mean exactly i mean because i don't look at it yeah when i was growing up you know reading you know iron man comics like i didn't care that he was white he just happened to be a rich-ass dude that had dope stuff <laughs> that i wanted you know so <laughs> yeah yeah Guys, I want to be exactly like David Chappelle. Would. That's exactly why I like them, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. So, quick, kind of off the list question. So, recently, there's been kind of a debate about exactly what is anime. Like, if if there's <laughs> animation coming from America, is it still considered anime? So, would you? Well, how, I mean, how would you respond to these like kind of stories that are going back and forth, saying that if it's not coming from Japan, it's this... not anime? This is the analogy I I used at Crunchyroll. We had a panel, and we talked about this, a diversity panel. And around the world, hip-hop was created in America, correct? That's correct. Bronx, New York, 1970. Bronx, New York, right? Get him, Marcus. So if I go to London and I listen to Stormzy, right, 
is he not hip hop? Yeah, it's a good point. If I go to Japan, if I go to Japan, it's still hip hop. Mm-hmm. If I listen mm-hmm. to Afrobeat in West Africa, it's still hip hop, right? So why yeah. is it? So why is it if this art form take away the word anime? If the same art form is made in France, is made in America, is made in Australia. If it's the same art form, why can't I call it anime? Yeah, I I agree with that. Especially like I think the thing that most people don't understand about most animation is that almost every single animation that you see in America is in, made in Korea anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like to put labels on it. It's not even really that necessary. I mean, as long as you like it, you like it. So. But yeah. I think it boils down to I think it boils down really. I understand the pushback, but it boils down to the fear of cultural appropriation. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I. And I think the key is whenever I do anything, I make it known to point out who my influences are. And I always pay respect to those influences. The first thing that brought me into anime was Vampire Hunter D. I almost lost my shit at Crunchyroll <laughs> with, when Yoshitaka was there. Yeah, same oh, yeah. I was like, holy crap, so, I got to so, 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 so I always pay respects to the people that influence me. I think the difference is that um, aesthetic-wise, art-wise, yes, you're going to see those anime influences, but I also have to infuse my cultural influences as well, those things that I enjoy. So like with Will, when he puts his music touch on it, um, and growing up, I talked about the literature influences. I also love like writers like George R.R. Martin, uh, Chenoa Achebe, Octavia, Octavia Butler. So all those different things I'm going to infuse in my anime storytelling, but that doesn't make it any less anime. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, to me, I think the only time, you know, quote unquote, cultural appropriation is really a problem is that if, if you don't have any of the, I guess, prerequisite knowledge of that culture. So if you don't know anything about that culture, you don't care anything about that culture, and you're just wearing, you know, their thing or doing whatever, I think that can become obviously kind of offensive. But if you know, if you pay your respects and actually know your, what you're talking about and staying respectful, I don't think it's a problem at all. It's actually the American way. You know, we're a mixing pot, so. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, keeping on the uh, the animation, I guess, just a conversation, uh, what do you guys think about this new uh, cell shading thing in Japan? Like, you know, cell shading versus uh, hand drawn. This is this is brought up to me through uh, through Berserk, because I don't know if you guys ever watched Berserk, right. but the old obviously the I old do. ones were yeah they were you know normal uh, anime style. And the new one is all cell shaded. What what are your thoughts on cell shaded versus like the, the hand drawn look? I'm old school, really... man. <laughs> the hand drawn <laughs> look is always going to appeal to me more than than the cell shading look, man. But uh, you know, I think it's a step in the right direction as far as uh getting more content out there, man. It looks like it's uh, much easier to uh, produce, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely smoother, but it's just something about the grit. It's like, you know, listening to, to I guess, Lil Uzi Vert versus listening to Enter the Wu-Tang is just... Yeah. It's the new generation. <laughs> the essence, yeah. You see the essence of it, you know what I mean? And it's like, uh, I like it, but I don't love it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to be like in the future, it's like people arguing that, oh, you know, color versus, you know, black and white. I think that's what we sound <laughs> like right now, you know, because <laughs> we're just, right. if you come from an older generation, you're just used, used to something looking a certain way. Oh, we'll probably get used to it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I actually had a question. On your Kickstarter, you had a you had some swag on there, some some merchant gear. Um, how does that fit into your marketing for your manga and for your anime? 
Um, I could kind of speak on behalf of Vaughn for this. <laughs> so uh, I'd be doing a lot of speaking by speaking on behalf of Vaughn. So uh, let me kind of give you the condensed version. <laughs> well, shout out to my man Vaughn. But uh, Vaughn's vision for that, man, uh, he, he's really a creative genius, man. Uh, I think the the main thing is for for cosplay, right? Mm-hmm. Vaughn's uh, main goal with that was uh, I feel like he was like, man, I would cosplay every day of my life <laughs> if the co- if, if it was dope enough to wear every day. Like, you can't go to work or you can't go to school dressed as One Punch Man. It's just you know what I'm saying? Ball hanging out. Right, you know what I'm saying? So, realistically, I mean, hey, if I could show up dressed like Piccolo, I'd do it. Let's go. Like, you can't do it. You know what I'm saying? Let's, you can't do it. So, it's like, how can we take, you know, fashion and involve that in what we're trying to do as well? So, uh, what we're doing is fusing what the characters wear and Primus, in, and I'm pretty sure it's going to uh, transcend all of all things noir as far as uh, character designs and, and aesthetics and as far as that goes. Uh, you'd be able to literally, the the cool stuff you're going to see in Primus and stuff, like the, the, the hoodie that Seven wears and... Stuff like that, the pants, silverware, you are going to be able to buy that and wear it to school. And people are going to be like, that shit is dope. Where can I buy it? And they're not going to look at it as you're cosplaying, even though you are yeah, like, totally yeah. nerd out and be like, I'm cosplaying at school. I can't believe this shit. And it's like, but really, it's, it's, it's streetwear. So that's, that's where we're going to bridge the gap with that. And uh, so if any of the guys have anything else to add to that. Yeah, I would say it's just a matter of us trying to be seamless and piecing together all our different influences. That's like right. we, we grew up anime fans, but we also grew up hip hop fans. Like I'm down south, so UGK for life right here, A Ball, <laughs> JG, you yes, know, sir. uh Outcast. <laughs> so the hip the hip hop influences, the the uh art influences, we're trying to seem trying to bring all this stuff together seamlessly basically so when you see primus none of it seems or looks forced you can tell it all comes naturally it all fits together and it's a representation of the culture when i say the culture just i think one thing that people fail to realize is anime itself fuses together so many different elements like we'll mm-hmm. talk about samurai shampoo you can't tell me that's not hip-hop of course yeah, <laughs> top to bottom so we want our work to kind of be a microcosm of that all the time absolutely and i actually uh met new New jobbies man and uh was one of the coolest experiences i had and uh if 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 there ever was a a japanese version of jay diller it was that guy like mannerisms everything and i was just like dude what you're doing is groundbreaking and uh, to this day, man, like I, I still jam the soundtracks from Samurai so, Shampoo. So do I. It's a Shiki no Uwata, I think, is the the outro song. I bump that stuff all that song all the time. Oh, all yeah. day long, all day long. <laughs> the four season song. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap soon, but I'm gonna ask you two questions. But the first one, I'm gonna ask you can think about it because that'll be the last one. All right. So think of your right. uh, your top three animes. All right. Ooh. So just keep it in, mm. keep it in your head. Um, all right, so Arthur Grove, who's the main villain uh, in the anime, uh, he looks like, he looks like a pretty dope villain. Is he going to be a villain that we're going to have some sympathy for, or is he just going to be some grimy ass dude that you're going to hate? Because I, I like it both Gorod. ways. Dude, I like that picture of him with the head in <laughs> his hand. Yeah, 
<laughs> the way uh, Arthur Grove is going to be presented to the reader is it's going to be a shade of gray. It's going to be a reason why he is doing what he's doing. Personally, I don't like to write characters that are black or white. You know, it's just like, this is what I am, and I'm just going to be this one thing and be one-dimensional. I don't like writing those type of characters. So as the story of Primus progresses, you're going to get the different flavors of why he's doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He sees himself as a hero, as I don't want what happened to me to happen to anyone else, so I'm going to take this role of dictator to make sure that doesn't happen. All the while, he's ruining people's lives, but he thinks he's protecting them all the same. Awesome. Sounds like layered, layered villain. <laughs> it sounds like somebody. No. <laughs> it's more? like I, I, I kind of think Arthur is, if you could uh, correlate it to anything, he'd be like Fidel Castro esque, where the people who, who understand what he's doing, they That's hey, viva Fidel, you know. But then there's people. It's like I hate this son of a bitch with all every molecule in my body. It's going to be a little bit of both, you know what I'm saying? So, awesome. as you you as you you know watching and, and keeping up with the manga, it's you're going to have it. We're like, hey, I think I kind of like Arthur, man. You know what? <laughs> yeah, you know, like I get some good points. I understand him. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So it's it's a little uh, paradox actually of him being the antagonist, but you may start to feel like in certain spots he may be a protagonist in certain aspects of things. So. So actually, this is a question cool. that I kind of just thought about. Um, so are you guys going to do like the, the traditional Japanese route where you release the manga first and then develop the anime afterwards to follow the manga? Touch uh, and go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, touch and go. Uh, like we talked about earlier, there's, there's certain aspects of what we're doing now that we can't talk about. Yeah, I understand. So, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think to make it uh, short, certain titles we're just solely focused on manga. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple of others that we have pinpointed that we have tapped that if we can animate, these are the ones that we want to pursue first. Okay, like, like certain story arcs you want to have animated, like for sure. Yeah. Yes. Okay, okay. Will you guys go the, the traditional anime route and do a bunch of fullers? Or fillers in no, between? I, I, no. I, hate, I hate filler, man. Oh, Me and all Corey do. talk no about this all the filler. time. If, <laughs> no I, if, I have, if I have any say-so, no filler, man. I hate fucking filler. Excuse me for cursing, man. I no, hate you filler, can curse, man. You can say what the fuck you want, man. <laughs> yeah. You don't give a God fuck our shit. <laughs> Cocksucking motherfucker. Now, before we give you any filler, we'll just have it in and come up with something else dope before we give you a shit ton of filler, man. That's, that's, that's how we roll. Okay. Well, I, I guess filler, I guess it's a good problem to have, right? Like if you have to, if people are demanding so much content that you have to make filler, I mean, it kind of sucks for like the hardcore fans, but it's good for you as a company that people want to watch even your filler. So, yeah, I'm just I, would, yeah. I would rather take the older approach like he does with the manga. Like, honestly, if you yeah. like, if you're into one piece at all, Oda's backstory is more than enough for quote unquote filler. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Makes sense. Just don't go to Bleach Route and like go back to the main arc and then go back to fillers oh, all of a sudden. In the middle of a fight. Don't, don't mention Bleach. They, they butchered Bleach. That's a sore subject for everybody. Oh, man. They, they lost me. I said, you know, I want all those. I need all that time back. Yeah. I need that. I still, watch, I still watch it all. Even the horrible last story arc, I, I still watch it all. Oh, well, they're supposedly bringing it back arc. to correct the final arc. 
I've heard, but that's that's another subject. That's save for our podcast. I'm I'm done with it. They give it to someone else. <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah. I, they lost me. <laughs> All right, so we're about to wrap soon. Um, what are your top three animes? Man, that's tough, man. Uh, my top two are easy. Yu Yu Hakusho is one A. That's the classic. One One Piece is one B. One Piece is my favorite. I only go Yu Yu Hakusho because I came across it first. But Yu Yu Hakusho and One Piece is one and two. I would say third, not necessarily because of the story, but Lupin the Third is a favorite for me. Oh, Sim- simply because of the because of the style, man. Yeah. Lupin was so clean. Like Lupin was fresh to death. Super dapper. <laughs> so, so like his whole squad. I mean, you have Lupin, who's a pretty much a polymath, even mm-hmm. though he downplays it. Right. Then, then you have the gunman and you have the swordsman. Two bad women chasing you. Hey, that's a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, for my top three, my number one is Roni Kenshin. Oh, my two. Uh, two is Trigun. And three is kind of like, it's two of them. It's Outlaw Star and Cowboy Bebop. I knew you were nice. going that way. I knew it was yep. coming. <laughs> can't go wrong, though. You can't go wrong. Nah, you can't. You know, uh, uh, sorry, Kenshin is actually the reason why uh, anime has fillers now. I don't know if you guys knew that. It's because they, they went past the, the manga yep. and everybody hated mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Will, you got the last one. Oh man, uh, dude, I, I gotta keep it old school. So, number three, Vampire Hunter D. No, nice. nice. Number two, it's gonna be uh, Go Go Thirteen, and number one, Fist of the North Star. Nice, yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. Worst live action ever made. <laughs> you ever see the live action of Fist of the North Star? Yeah. The American yeah. one. Oh my god, it was so <laughs> bad. It was right up there with the Street Fighter. Yeah. Fighter. Oh, my God. That was like the beginning of terrible live-action <laughs> remakes of manga, or of animes. The latest one was, uh, what was it, Death Note? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. oh man. <laughs> I was like, how the hell are you going to have it in Seattle? I was like, the whole point of having it in Japan Seattle? is there's like no crime in Japan. <laughs> right. It's in Seattle where people carjacking shit. <laughs> yeah, Come it's on. easy to kill a bunch of people in Seattle. <laughs> They're all depressed anyway because no sunshine. <laughs> right, it's always raining and shit. Man. Yeah. Like, if anything, it's going to be hella crimes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else to do. Good grief. Yeah. Alright, so uh, where can our listeners uh, find you out on the interwebs? Uh, NewRCaesar.com uh, We also have a Twitter um, at New R Season and also Instagram at New R Season. And you can also come to our Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash New R Caesar LLC. Awesome. Will and Marcus, you guys have your own individuals or no? Um, man, you, yeah, you don't yeah. want to follow me, man. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a family guy, man. So <laughs> I'm a, a, a full time teacher and a dad of a four year old and 19 year old. So if you go on my IG, man, it's just pictures of me being a dad, being a jerk, being no. a jerk and being a dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, but if you want if you want to delve into that, uh, you can follow me at, uh, at Dap Styles on IG. On Facebook, I just use my regular name, man, Marcus Quabana Johnson. And you can catch me on any two of those sites, man. Okay, cool. No doubt. And you can find me anywhere. 
He said Marcus does not tweet. I'm like, I'm on Twitter. No, no trace of him on Twitter, man. I'm 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 at Ill Brown everywhere. I L L B R O W N everywhere. You can find me. It's not hard. Uh, you, can, you can check some of my content. Um, I also produce for Team Backpack as well. So we have a ton of dope dope stuff. And uh, actually, one of our uh, artists that we're pushing pretty hard right now is uh, G Yamazawa. He is super dope. He is from uh, Tokyo. Super dope artist. So we will be hearing him on the Climate Soundtrack as well. Cool, cool. All right, gentlemen, well, thank you for your time. It's been a great interview. All right, appreciate, appreciate you guys, guys man. Yep, have a good rest of your day. All right, you too. Right. Bye.